Hello, friends. So, before we get into this, I want to very quickly give a brief content advisory. This episode that we're about to discuss contains certain plot points. And people who have seen Person of Interest before know exactly what I'm talking about. It contains certain plot points that, given what is happening in the world right now, given what we are dealing with in our society, in our country right now, may, to some people, feel a bit too real. And depending on your state of mind, might even feel ill-timed. If you are one of those people, if you do not want to be exposed to these types of plot points in your fiction right now, if you do not want to witness these types of plot points in your fiction right now, if you don't want to discuss these types of plot points in your fiction right now, because of how heavily we are dealing with this and how all-encompassingly we are dealing with this in the real world at the moment. If this is too much for you in fiction right now, please feel free to skip this episode. Please feel free to put this on the back burner of your podcast listening. I I get it. I totally understand. Trust me when I say you will not offend me. You will not hurt my feelings. Do whatever you have to do for you. And I will not judge you or hold any ill will towards you in any way. If you need to let this episode sit for a bit, and maybe let what's going on in our society right now run its course before you deal with this in a fictional series, do it. By all means. And I look forward to... One day talking about this incredible series with you again. Outside of the lens of our current terrifying hellscape. And for those of you who have decided to stick around, enjoy. Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You are being watched. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Person of Interest. These people irrelevant. We don't. Hunted by the authorities. We work in secret. You'll never find us. But victim or perpetrator, if your number's up, we'll find you. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 9, titled The Crossing. Oh my god. Oh. My god. This episode. 
holy shit, this episode's incredible. It's absolutely magnificent. Uh, continuing to build on this, like, three-part climax in the HR conflict, in the HR storyline. Continuing to build out this incredible three-part arc. This is the second of three episodes in this whole deal, and it is amazing! It is so freaking fantastic! So, I mean, let's just get into this. We have so much to dissect here. So... We start this episode off, and it's pretty much starting exactly where we left off. Reese and Carter are on the run with Alonzo, Quinn, and Toll. In, in, in tow. Why did I say in Toll? <laughs> with Alonzo, Quinn, and Toe going across town to deliver him to the feds. Because pretty much all local... Stuff like is way too dirty. And so that's going on. Simmons has placed a bounty on Reese's head in an effort to stop it in his in an effort to stop him in his tracks, in an effort to get Alonzo Quinn back. HR is setting up checkpoints, scouring the city. This is this has blown up. To a phenomenal scale. And so a lot of this episode... And by the way, my god, this episode never lets up for a second. Like, it starts at, like, minute one... And then just goes and 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 goes. Like, the intensity never stops. Even by person of interest standards. It's, like, constant. Like, go, 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 go. Like, at a frenetic pace. Uh, but this whole storyline with Reese and Carter on the run is so, so spectacular. Uh, with the added specter uh, above Reese's head that at the beginning of this episode, Finch has Reese's number come in. Reese has come up on the irrelevant list. So now the tables have turned. Not all, like now after so long of saving numbers, he's become one. We get like some great moments on the subway. We get a phenomenal ambulance sequence that I absolutely adore. And it's so freaking fantastic and brilliant in every possible way. God, that moment where they're at the checkpoint, like, just, that is the definition of pins and needles. It really, really is. Like, they're in the ambulance, they got a gun to, uh, the driver, like, they've hijacked it, and they're just slowly going through, slowly going through, and it looks like they're about to be let through, it looks like they're about to be let through, and then Simmons sees the bloody handprint, and it's like, it's the guy in the suit! Get him! And then they start suiting. Fusco saves him. And, like, just... Oh, my God. It's... It's incredible. It's really, really fantastic. Meanwhile, right at this checkpoint sequence, Fusco gets captured. And, oh, my God. Like... Moments like... This subplot. In Fusco's narrative, where Fusco's captured... Moments like this, storylines like this, 
are why Fusco is such an incredible character. Are why Fusco is so, so fantastic. And so brilliantly written. We have this entire sequence at this fortune cookie factory. Where he is, like, constantly being tortured. Simmons is, like, breaking his fingers. Uh, He is getting beaten the hell out of. Simmons does this weird thing where he is, like... (laughs) reading fortunes in a very threatening tone. Never have fortune cookies been so terrifying than in this subplot. Never. Never, ever, 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 ever. And Simmons is able to piece together enough that, like, this key that Fusco has on him is to a safe deposit box. But he doesn't know the bank, so he's trying to get the bank out of Fusco. And Fusco eventually says, okay, uh, it's in Hoboken and all that. And this heartbreaking moment happens. The reason Fusco says Hoboken is because HR now is a man on uh, his son. And his son's being threatened unless Fusco tells him something. So he gives him the Hoboken thing. That ends up being a lie. And so we get this heartbreaking, heartbreaking moment. Where Simmons is basically like, hey. Call up the guy we have on Fusco's kid. We're gonna kill him. And they put the dude on the phone. And say kill him and they they put the phone up to Fusco and like literally have the son on the line as they're holding up the phone to Fusco's head and you basically have to witness Fusco say goodbye to his son and in tears listen as we hear a gunshot on the other end of the line that Presumably was HR killing his son. It is a moment of pure agony. It is a moment of just pure, utter heartbreak. Watching Fusco lose it at the sound of what he believes at the time to be his son being murdered. It is devastating and enough to just cause your heart to break. And then, of course, relief comes. As on the other end of the line, we hear Shaw saying that his son is safe. And and when I say relief, I mean relief. Like a relief on a level very few shows and movies are able to get relief on a deep, uh, profound level of just, oh my god, like, just like, it's insane, it's insane how much they're able to get you to feel in this moment, and it speaks to how just perfectly this show is written, and how perfectly this show is executed, uh, the incredible performance from Kevin Chapman, who is maybe the most underrated part of all of person of interest, quite honestly. Uh, he is an incredibly, incredibly underrated actor. 
And, like, Shaw, of course, says on the other line, like, hey, Fusco, you, you realize this means I can't help you. I had to make a choice, and I thought you'd want me to save your kid. And Fusco's like, yeah, I get it. You made the right decision. Thank you. And then this incredibly badass moment where HR is about to kill Fusco, and Fusco's like, I mean, yeah, you broke all my fingers, which made it really easy for me to break my thumb. Saying, basically, he escaped from the handcuffs, he leaps out, takes out this HR guy, strangles him mercilessly. Oh, God. Everything that happens with Fusco in this episode, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it is so spectacular. All of it is so brilliant. All of it is so well handled. The entire time, you have Finch struggling with a very... A very difficult decision. Because things would be a lot easier. Particularly in that moment where Quinn destroys the phone. And now Finch has no way of locating Reese. It'd be a lot easier in Shaw's words to just talk to the machine. But the machine doesn't talk to Finch. It talks to Root. Which means... We now have a decision to make. Is this worth letting Root out? Is this worth unleashing Root on the world? And we get some great scenes between Michael Emerson and Amy Acker. We get some great scenes between Finch and Root. Where Root's like, hey, I can help. Let me out. I can help. I can do my thing. And Finch is like, no, it's too dangerous. I can't trust you. And ultimately he does decide to keep Root locked up, but for a moment he considers letting her out. You can tell there's moments where Finch is just like, maybe for like a split second. And Michael Emerson does a great job of telegraphing this with just the most... Subtle of looks. Just the most subtle of glances. Like, national treasure, Michael Emerson. Uh, But it's so, so fantastic. And it's a great character moment for Finch. Uh, We also have it revealed via Root that Reese was not Finch's first partner. Root flat out says, as Finch is walking away from her, Let's not pretend that John was your first. How many did you go through before him? Finch had others. Wow. That put it being put in this episode, that being just snuck in there among literally everything else. Literally all the, like, 50 bajillion things this episode delivers. Holy crap. Oh, oh my god. That... Insane. And a really great reveal. And then, of course, all of this funnels down into the morgue. 
Uh, they hide out Quinn at the morgue. HR receives a tip from some criminals that Man in Suit is in the morgue. So they're, like, surrounding this place. And we get a quiet moment where, um... Reese and Carter are, like, swapping stories about Scar- about Scars. Carter tells a story about how one time she watched a, a Marine get blown up in front of her. Uh, she told stories about the C-section she had when her son was born. And Reese tells a story about how there was a time when he was thinking of killing himself. And the thing that changed his mind, the thing that stopped him from doing it, was he got into a fight on the subway, was arrested, and got detained by a detective who was able to, without even knowing it, save him from himself. It's a really great moment, followed by um, a little kiss between Reese and Carter. Hmm, a little, a short little moment, but a uh, an interesting one nonetheless. But then, when HR shows up, when they start surrounding the building, and when they start like knocking down doors, Reese. While Carter's not looking, leaves through the vent and is like, I'm going to draw their fire. I'm going to sacrifice myself so that you can get out of here with Quinn and bring HR to justice. I am going to actively throw away my life for you to finish what you started. And we get this great gunfight between Reese and HR as he's sort of leading them away from Carter. Finch, in the midst of all this, is restoring power to the building. Reese is able to get out, is able to draw the last of the HR cops away. Finch gets on, like, the speaker system and is like, uh, Carter, you're good. Get out. Get to the, get to the federal building. And just when it's looking like Reese is definitely dead, just when it's looking like Reese is done, just when it's looking like he's out. In fact, you have this great moment where the machine's watching him, and you see it assessing Reese's odds of survival, and the percentage is going down very rapidly. Like, it is. Like, his odds are going, are getting increasingly, increasingly bad. His odds are getting increasingly awful. And then, lo and behold, some good cops show up. Apparently, Finch was able to call in a tip that there was an armed man in the suit to a couple of the few good cops left in the city. The few honest cops left in the city. And so Reese, rather than getting killed, is simply arrested. And then Carter 
is able to get to the federal building. Turn in Quinn to the FBI. And just like that, everything is great. All the HR cops get arrested, with the exception of Simmons. Carter becomes a detective again. Fusco's son is safe. Carter reveals to Finch that she, on her own, figured out about the machine. I, I love the moment where Carter's like, Oh, uh, yeah, your, uh, did your computer give another number? And Finch is like, wait, what? Oh, well, I figured the only way you could possibly know uh, when things are about to happen is you have a supercomputer with access to government feeds. And Finch is like, huh? Well, okay then. And Carter is able to get Reese out of prison. Carter is able to finagle Reese out of lockup. Everything's great. Everything's amazing. That is... Until it isn't. Finch shows up... To... Pick up Reese and Carter. He's going across the street. He hears... The payphone ring. Presumably the machine with another number. And then Simmons shows up. Starts shooting at Reese. Carter gets in between Reese and Simmons. And takes the bullet herself. Reese is on the ground with a flesh wound. Carter with a bullet to her chest. Bleeding out profusely. Simmons escapes. Reese goes up to Carter to try and help her. Carter Begs Reese to say goodbye to her son for him. Uh, to say goodbye to her son for her. Finch watches on in horror. And the fit and the payphone keeps ringing. And ringing. And ringing. And ringing. And ringing. Carter loses consciousness. Reese couldn't save her. The woman he cared most about in the in this world has just died. The woman who sacrificed everything to bring justice to this city. The woman who put her life on the line time and time and time and time again for justice. For the law. The woman who 
almost single-handedly took down HR and made New York City safe. Or at least safer. Has just been murdered. Finch is still looking on in horror. And the payphone keeps ringing. And ringing. Cut to black. Ringing. 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 And then... Credits. In in case it wasn't clear... This is why I gave a content advisory at the beginning of this episode. Uh, something told me that, um, a cop murdering black woman in this episode, given what's going on in the world with all the Black Lives Matter stuff, something told me that that needed to be addressed, and that needed to be addressed sooner than later. So, yeah, in case it wasn't obvious... That, that was my thought process there. But beyond all of that, Black Lives Matter, by the way, um, beyond all of that, this is one of the most heartbreaking moments. Scratch that. It is the most heartbreaking moment in all of person of interest. It is one of those moments that sticks with you. It is one of those moments that haunts you. It is that it is one of those moments that gets under your skin and does all the things a good story should do. It makes you feel horrified. It makes you feel sad. It makes you feel angry. It makes your heart break. Especially since Carter, more than anyone else, Carter might be... I've talked about how badass Reese is. I've talked about how badass uh, Shaw is. Like, I've talked about plenty of badass person and plenty of badass character, plenty of badass plot point in this show... Carter might be the biggest badass in all person of interest. Because not only is she freaking awesome. But as I've already said, she sacrificed everything. She did everything. She moved heaven and earth to bring justice to Cal Beecher. To bring Stability to the NYPD. To take a bunch of corrupt cops and make them answer for what they did. Take a bunch of corrupt cops and hold them accountable for what they did. She did it without mercy. She did it without hesitation. But not only that, 
she also brought along allies and gave people like Fusco and Lasky the chance to realize that they had been part of something horrible. Made them understand what they had done. Helped them to be better. And better they were. Lasky made the ultimate sacrifice simply so that Carter could identify the head of HR. Fusco has become an invaluable detective. Has become a man with a heart of gold. Risked the life of himself and endured those brief horrifying moments of thinking he lost his son, thinking he heard the gunshot that killed his boy. All so that Carter could take down HR. She is the most badass and most inspiring character in all of person interest in all of person of interest. And quite honestly, I considered taking today off. I considered leaving this episode for a few days. I considered taking a hiatus from this show, knowing that this plot point was coming. I considered saying, you know what? This isn't the right time for a black woman to be seen Bleeding out in the street. At the hands of a dirty cop. This isn't the right time to see that in our fiction. This isn't the right time to talk about that in our fiction. But I decided against that. For one reason. Because I think... Detective Joss Carter... Should serve as an inspiration. I think she should be viewed. As a character ahead of her time. I think she should be viewed. As the true embodiment. Of everything Black Lives Matter stand for. Of everything. All of these protests. And all of this conversation, this whole reckoning we are having now as a country. I think this character should be held as the embodiment of all of those ideals. Holding police accountable. Saying it doesn't matter if you are law enforcement, you are not above the law. Taking every single Gumbag in uniform who has the audacity 
to take their power and use it for their own gain. Use it to line their own pockets, and above all else, use it to kill innocent people, particularly innocent black people. Anyone in a uniform who uses that badge, uses that uniform, uses that title of a police officer. For their own gain, for their own purpose, and to wield it over innocent citizens. We should hold every single one of them accountable. HR is not fiction. It might have been intended as fiction, but it's not. HR is real. It may not have the name, but it certainly has the intent. It may not take the form that we saw in this show. But it has the same principle. HR existed in the world of person of interest to abuse the badge, to abuse the uniform, to take what should be a shining pillar of justice and make it little more than a safe haven for criminals and murderers. And after the horrific murder of George Floyd. And knowing that this was not the first time it happened. Or the last time, to be quite honest with you. Knowing that it had happened time and time again. In city after city after city. With police officer after police officer after police officer. With black man after black man after black man. HR exists. And it's the racist scumbag cops. Who would kneel on George Floyd's neck. For nine minutes. It's the spineless coward. Who would protect them. And who waited over a week. To file proper charges. And it is. The countless. Police departments. Across America. Who when called out on their bullshit. Show up in riot gear. And fire rubber bullets. And launch tear gas and spray pepper spray rather than actually taking an inventory of everyone in their house who is ruining what in a perfect world should be a bright and shining institution for justice. HR exists. And it is nationwide. 
and it's time we follow Carter's example. Find the Turneys of the world. Find the Simmonses of the world. Find the Quins of the world. And root them out. And we need to do it now. Or else how the hell will this country be safe? Gonna be honest, I did not intend to go on that rant, but I did. Deal with it. Ordinarily, this is when I'd plug my own shit. But somehow... That feels inappropriate. Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) Stay safe out there. Fight the good fight. Black Lives Matter.